The Phoenix Suns scored another win in Portland over the very, very, very shorthanded Portland Trailblazers. Yes, the fourth quarter was a little ugly, but on today's episode of Locked On Suns, why the first half looks so good, the big three getting into a flow, and another change to the rotation. We'll break it all down. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on Monday. Hopefully, many of you have the day off from work. If you aren't, if you don't, well, thank you for spending your day at work with us. Wherever you're finding the show, though, Please hit follow or subscribe. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. So if you hit that button, you get a new show in your feed every single Monday through Friday where you can become an everydayer and get locked onto the Suns right along with me from now through next July, this upcoming July, the end of the season and beyond. We are brought to you today by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with the personal supply of five antibiotics that treats 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use the code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. Brandon Duenas is here, as he is every single Monday, to break down the Suns' 127-116 victory over the Portland Trailblazers. And, Brandon, we're going to avoid the same conversation about the fourth quarter once again. I was uh, plenty frustrated myself watching it. I'm sure Suns fans were too, but the first half they scored 71 points. What stuck out to you about the good part of this game when they were really, really rolling? There was a fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. I just, it, yeah, I we'll just skip it. That. Yeah, so yeah, the first half I thought that, first of all, just uh, looking at the box score kind of speaks to this, just the shot distribution, how uh, I thought well-balanced the attack was. There's a lot of three-point shooting uh they're hot from behind the line and i thought that's that's directly correlated to them sharing the ball moving the ball that's that's how this team's going to win we've talked about that in the past it's not going to be through through iso ball it's going to be team ball attacking picking your spots and i thought they just did a good job moving the ball and getting everyone involved and um obviously it helps when you're knocking down threes and just uh we it's just a good glimpse of what i think this offense has a, a power to be uh, for four quarters, we didn't see that tonight, but I think they, they're definitely it's, – it's encouraging to see it like this, and I think it's, it's natural for a team uh, playing against a, uh, a team that's as young as Portland for, for them to get up and kind of – for the Suns to have a little bit of a letdown. That's just kind of par for the course in the NBA. So that's why you build those, those big leads and just uh, – you know, I thought they, they looked great for that first half. I thought you were going to say par for the course for the Suns, which is why I started to laugh because it kind of is, but <laughs> – yeah, yeah I mean, look, I, I think once I realized that Simons was going to play in this game for Portland, I was like, okay, it's not going to be a complete walkover game because he's good enough. Obviously, Scoot played. He was productive. You know, he wasn't very efficient, had some turnovers, some some head-scratching turnovers, but those two guys, and Reith has killed the Suns. So I know it feels like, okay, they had eight guys and they let, 
two the Suns let two of their rookies who have been awful most of the year go off a little bit in Murray and repair off the bench but this game from a Sun standpoint and we'll get more into the big three side of it in the next segment but it really felt like that Pistons preseason game the one that these guys played together to me um from a pace standpoint from just a con- connectivity standpoint it goes a long way for this team when Obviously, even though they're still getting things figured out in terms of who's going to initiate and when and how and running sets, not running sets, all that stuff, when you're able to just kind of push the ball, push the tempo, have a quick trigger, like that solves a lot of those problems with the talent that they have. And I think that was what was so exciting back when we first saw it in preseason. It's taken a while. There's been moments, obviously, even during this stretch when Beal's finally been back where they've done that too. But tonight was a a great example of it. And another game where they had a lot of efficiency coming off of, of pushing the ball after missed shots, not even just turnovers. And if they can emphasize that and get those hit ahead passes and be comfortable with multiple guys handling the ball and not turn it over on some of those, uh, and outlet passes and things like that, they they can get such easy offense just out of playing fast, like you're saying. And I honestly think, even though the fourth quarter went the way that it did, I feel like if the Blazers didn't have that random hot shooting first half, this game probably doesn't even have to get into the fourth quarter. And maybe the Suns are just resting their guys. But Duop Reith and Chris Murray... I guess uh, kept them in it, but yeah, this was everything you wanted to see from an offensive standpoint, and I would even say defensive outside of those threes. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's just kind of that comes with the pace of play. Like sometimes you're gonna uh, invite it to be more of an offensive-minded game and open up those uh, transition for the other team when you play like that. So it goes both mm-hmm. ways, and it kind of speaks to what I've been saying all season long: is like lean into being an offensive team. That's your identity. Like push the pace beat team because that's how you're going to beat teams uh, is with your offensive firepower. And obviously getting key stops is huge. Uh, but I thought tonight they kind of showed that uh, when the pace does pick up, they're going to need to close out better and, and rotate better defensively because that, that comes with the fast pace. So I think, you know, a young team like Portland, they can get hot, make threes. They made 20 out of 42. That's nearly 50%. So that's uh, that alone is alarming, but at the same time, it's just, it comes with the, the, the territory of, playing with that faster pace. So I think if they could try to find more of a balance of uh, continuing to like have that offensive firepower going in the fourth quarter where they're, they're not getting uh slowed down because I think that was their only quarter. They really they hit 30 plus points every quarter had 40 in the second um, 35 in the third, 31 in the first, and then fourth quarter just scored 21 and Portland just kind of uh, just hung around a little bit. So I think if they can kind of put their foot down offensively, um, then it'll start to translate to getting more stops defensively too. Because when the ball goes in the basket, they're not going to be able to push it as much. Um, it's going to slow the game down a little bit, allow them to get their defense set, which I thought uh, was just kind of avoiding that clunky, uh, just random lull they have every game. That's, that's going to be the key. And that, that'll that happen over time. Like, I think they're going to figure it out. It's just a matter of figuring it out. And that's that takes reps. And that's what we're, we're seeing here now in, in real yeah. time. Yeah, and I mean, look, I think – it's, I think the way you put it is good. I mean, I, I feel like they, 
Booker said it best, I think, post-game, right? Aggressive. That was kind of the only real quibble that he had with the fourth quarter is that they just kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit. You can see them just sort of, I mean, even Eddie Johnson was saying it on the broadcast too, like it almost feels like when a, a, you know, like the Falcons in the Super Bowl when they were up 28 to three, right? Where it's like, okay, the game's not over, you know, like just keep going. Like there's no reason to not treat this like another quarter where you can score 30 and then you could rest, you know, and I think that's going to yeah. be uh, apparently a, a little bit of a, of a lesson to be learned. But um, this is the fourth time the Suns have played the Blazers, the third time in a month. They're not playing them again the rest of the season. So to wrap up our uh, our moment with, with this Portland team, who have pushed the Suns in all these games, who of their random role players – got under your skin the most who's the guy where you were like i never even knew who this player was and now i like low-key kind of hate him because this team was so pesky that that's how we're gonna say goodbye to portland uh i think wreath was just kind of it feels that's like every no time answer, playing, dude, that dude's, yeah yeah that dude's just everywhere and you gotta type your captain at the same time because he's playing he's trying to make a name for himself he's trying to earn a spot in the league but Relax, dude. Like, why, why are you everywhere? Why are you just, you know, just being a pest? Um, but yeah, it's he, he's kind of the one that stands out. Just uh, some, there's some hot shooting too for some other guys, but uh, it seems like it's not the first time either, right? Like that, that win the Portland had, he, he played a factor or a role in that mm-hmm. as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, he, uh, uh, I, him and Baji both feel like they're kind of legit NBA players. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody, outside of phoenix and portland knows who either of these dudes is because i'm not i don't know portland's schedule obviously uh by heart or anything maybe there's another team that they've played a bunch but it feels like suns fans have gotten a front row seat to this team's pretty good at scouting and they have like a a decent bench put together here and uh, i'll give a special i think jabari walker could have easily been an answer he seems to be the most unorthodox dude you could watch in the nba you just watch him and he it's kind of awkward and lanky and doesn't explode around the court like some NBA players do. And then somehow he's making a three in your face. He's getting a put back. And it's just like, what the hell is going on here? Who is this guy? Look, um, yeah. I got to give a shout out to, to Mike Schmitz, the, the yeah. Arizona native. He's the assistant GM there. He knows how to scout. So yeah, that team, obviously they're, they're bad right now. They're very young, but uh, with him, kind of spearheading that team. Like I think they're in great hands and they're going to continue to find hidden gems and, and especially just kind of keep building off the draft. So shout out Mike Schmitz, the Arizona native, former uh, bright side of the sun as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, great. Yeah. Guy. He's, he's done a great job there. And uh, with Baji and, and Reith, their ties to Africa, Schmitz was a, an assistant coach on the Uganda national team. He's pulling out yeah. all the stops to, uh, to find these guys and, has done a good job with it. I'll give another one. Uh, Matisse Thibel hitting threes this year has been crazy. Um, he's just like a legit 3 and D guy now. His usage is still microscopic. He doesn't take a lot of shots in general, but when he takes open threes, he's making them, and that makes him more playable and more scary as an opponent. So goodbye to the Portland Trailblazers. Let's continue with uh, some breakdown of the big three specifically. I have some offensive and defensive thoughts on how they flowed and as they continue to get some more reps together what we're seeing we'll get into all that next first today's show brought to you by jace medical and their jace case 
We all come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but sometimes there's some serious stuff that can get in the way. And according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of certain antibiotics like amoxicillin and others that can help you deal with the flu and other colds and things like that during the time of year when, of course, we need that type of thing. And so Jay's case is coming in and they are doing their best to fix it, to get you what you need quickly and separate from the pharmacy system. It's pretty helpless when a family member or a kid gets sick and some pesky supply chain issue keeps you from getting what you need. That obviously is even getting into an office sometimes or getting a pharmacy pickup order ready can be scheduling-wise a nightmare, let alone the inventory and everything else. The Jace case, though, is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and others. And this stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com, complete a physician encounter. It will then be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will then be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use the offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. That's jacemedical.com, promo code locked on. All righty, Brandon, let's uh, talk about the big three, the night that we saw from these guys, and another game where they all were in the 20s plus scoring, another game where they were all 50% plus shooting, and five or more assists. This is the balance that I think we're starting to see come into focus where. Yes, it's nice that any one of them can score 40, but it feels like what we're seeing is that when they're all out there together, we're probably not going to see that. It's going to be more of an efficient 25-5-5. and And I have to admit, I'm as long as it took for us to see this come together and you know, the fourth quarters and the defense and we can all have our complaints, that rhythm and balance for those guys, I think it's clicked faster than I would have expected. If you just take away the injuries and the fact that we're now in January, imagine if these guys have been healthy right away and we were talking about less than 10 games into the season, they were already figuring out a flow to the level that they are right now. I think it's pretty impressive that they're uh, doing this so quickly together and obviously not a moment too soon. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing that kind of helped with that a little bit is having, even though they're injured, all these guys, like especially Beal early on in the season, being a part of like the training camp and, and kind of knowing the offense and the system. So it just, then it just becomes a matter of being healthy and actually be on the court to get those like real time reps. Uh, but o- overall, like, yeah, I think it's, it's clicking pretty, pretty quick. Like we, one of the replies to your tweet, uh, I think it was Rob show goes on shout out to you. you. You said they won seven of 10. It doesn't really feel like that, right? Like it, <laughs> no, it they're, they're starting to, yeah. So especially after those two tough losses back to back, but I think uh, kind of zooming out a little bit, like there's, there's obviously uh, a lot to still be concerned about with this team long-term, especially from a playoff uh, dynamic, but I think offensively they're definitely figuring out and uh, it's never, you know, growth is never going to be linear. It's never going to be like, Oh, they figured it out. Like it's, you know, 48 minutes of just dominance on both ends. Like there's going to be some, some nights, especially against bad teams, like, like the Blazers where they kind of thought, like you said earlier, they're just going to coast in the fourth quarter. You know, we're just going to be sitting on the bench, like, you know, this game's over. Um, so I, I think once, once they play against more uh, like that, that Lakers game, for example, they really got up for that. I thought Beal's really 
these last two games, just how efficient he's been and how confident he looks is, is super encouraging. That, that to me is the most important part of this big three in terms of uh, not having a banged up deal, right? Just having someone that's playing cautious or, you know, one foot in, one foot out. Like he looks like Bradley Beal right now. And that, that's huge. And I think that's another reason you're seeing Book play confident, Durant play uh, within the flow of the offense, not really forcing anything. And uh, zero turnovers from Book tonight. That, and the game is fast paced and sloppy as this one was at times. Like that's that was really impressive too. Yeah, it, it. I didn't necessarily catch it until the end of the game. And I think Stat Muse had a tweet of, you know, first guy to do this with zero what his other stats were without any turnovers and then it was like since last may when durant did it i was like okay yeah well, since, i guess that's january to, 14th yeah that speaks to the, some... uh, the overall town here but i i just want to personally definitely write to shout out beal we are seeing the guy the suns traded for seven months ago finally for sure landry who yeah uh, not, not, I don't. I don't know if he's hurt or not playing in Washington. Also, I do believe his grandmother just passed away. I saw on his Instagram. So you know, shout out Mama Shamit. But also, you do that trade right uh, from a basketball standpoint, and this is why. I wanted to zoom in on Durant though, because defensively, um, he did it again tonight. I don't know if it's going to get caught, and obviously it's not as good of a team, but he guarded Anthony Simons a lot of the time tonight, and sometimes that was off of switches because they played small, and he was playing center. He really was this team's backup center tonight. Uh, Eubanks played four minutes, but all the other time, it was like a Metu-Durant kind of hybrid backcourt with a lot of switching, and sometimes it was that, but there were other times where it was just him matching up with Simons and just sort of taking him away, especially when Simons was off ball and Scoot was handling the offense. They they would space Simons really, really far out, and KD was like, great, I'll come stand over here with you. You're not going to get the ball, and you know I'll just take you out. And, and then obviously there were times when he was guarding him one-on-one too. And then offensively, I don't know. Um, I... I know we're going to see this continue to evolve, and I'm, I'm not saying this is my permanent viewpoint on it, but when it does come to the fourth quarter, we were all pretty frustrated watching when it was just Durant and Book and Beal were both injured early in the season, and they were struggling with a lot of turnovers in these games when Durant tried to go ISO or heavy post-up late in these games, and obviously there was the Lakers one where that happened and some others, but... I kind of think that might be the best thing. It's like they forgot about it once the spacing was going to be better. And I really do feel like maybe in these... And they were trying to get there a lot of the time in this game, and they couldn't get in the entry pass, which continues to be, you know, for whatever reason, a problem. I wonder if that's not just the best way to go here in, in these crunch time situations, at least as the beginning of a set. Enter the ball to Durant, play off of that, because that's at least some structure. I don't know what you think, but that's very old-fashioned, but I think this team could just use like something to start with and then build out from there. Yeah, 1,000%. I think you have a giant seven-foot cheat code on your team. It's never a bad idea. If your team is struggling, go to him. Like, Figure it out from there, especially with Beal and Booker healthy. like Things are going to happen based off the defense like sending help or 
uh, over committing to Durant, trying to stop him. Like it's, it's going to open everything else up. So I think I totally agree. That should kind of be their default. Like if things are going bad, get back to the basics, give the ball to Durant and let him draw the attention he does. Let him make a move, like hit a tough shot over the defender. Or if they send three guys or an army, a small army at him, then he'll, he'll make the kick out pass to, to a wide open Booker, Beeler or Allen, or just move the ball. And I don't even so I, think- I don't even need it to be like I think part of where they get caught up even when they are trying to do that is that they want to get a mismatch. And so they start with the ball in Booker's hands and then they run a screen with Durant exactly. to get the switch. It's like just skip all that. You know how They're few people there are? Exactly. You know how few people there are in the NBA who uh, their coach is going to trust them to guard Kevin Durant one on one straight up? Very, very, very few. And in the regular season, that number is probably close to zero because it's just not worth trying that. Most teams are going to send a double, send some co- sort of help on the drive, on the shot, whatever, and then he can kick out from there. I totally agree. It's just, just go to it. See what happens. Don't get cute. I don't understand why it's so complicated sometimes. Yep. No, I totally agree. Just keep it simple. Move the ball. Get the ball to Durant. And once that happens, it's going to open everything else up. And instead of it just being stagnant and just, some some of the possessions we've seen uh, are just I just laugh sometimes. I'm just like, what is what is happening here? And it's it's painful. But I think they'll they'll figure it out. I think it's just uh, it's still so early in terms of like just seeing this this big three healthy that you know we need to give them a little more time. Uh, as, as frustrating as the beginning of the season has been with all the injuries and all that, and uh, but I, I do think they will figure it out offensively. I'm not too concerned about that uh, other side of the floor. That's that's something that they've shown, I think, some growth on in stretches. But at the same time, there's definitely some areas that are concerning. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's but totally agree. Just your bailout option should always start with Kevin Durant. No questions asked. Well, let's get to one of the guys who I think can potentially be part of that solution on the defensive end and somebody that the Suns continue to show us with their rotation decisions that they know they need. And that's Kata Bates-Diop. We'll start with him next. First. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL season is wrapping up slowly but surely with the postseason going on, but the offers are staying hot at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Sometimes FanDuel makes you actually, you know, succeed, achieve for your money. In this case, they're just giving it right to you. 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. I'm looking at the Monday night, Monday afternoon, in the case of the Buffalo game, odds for the NFL playoffs. We have the Bills in that game, 500 and minus 550 money line favorites. Eagles Bucks feels too tough. I mean, I wouldn't dare recommend that to you but that buffalo game feels like a nice little place to start you don't have to win to get the bonus bets but obviously it feels better when you do so try there maybe start there nba games of course going on throughout monday for mlk day as well do it all at fanduel with live same game parlays new bets in the explore tab and more that's fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl and the nba All right, Brandon, let's close it out. I want to talk about Kata Bates-Diop. We'll circle back to another thing on the big three from a box score standpoint before we wrap, but if we're going to do a quick bench mob vibe check where we look at the rotation here, it was another shakeup tonight. Akogi was 
supposed to check in in the first half and wasn't able to get in the game and then only ended up playing seven minutes in the second half. Maybe it would have been closer to 10 or 12. Small role for him. That's about the range he's been in. But uh, Bol Bol was hurt tonight, so we didn't see him. Still haven't seen Nasir Little actually get on the court since getting back from the knee. And as I mentioned, with Bol out, with Eubanks still not really in the rotation, they went small from the backup center spot. But Bates Diop played 13 minutes as one of really the only eight guys to play. He's been playing for a, a intermittently lately with Little out and everything else, but I just think Frank Vogel knows that as the roster currently stands, unless they were to make another move, they need Bates Diop to work out. And I do think his defense tends to be pretty good most of the time he's in these games. And if he can crash the offensive glass, take shots when they're there, get the three assists, we're working our way toward him being more playable and maybe working his way back into you know, a clear-cut rotation spot, more minutes, do they try starting him? But I think at least we've seen him establish a floor where he's not in danger of getting benched again. Does that feel like a, a step we're seeing? Does that feel like a box we're seeing him check? Look, man, I, I don't know. This this bench mob stock market is just as up and down as it's more up and down than the, than the economy. Like it, it's just crazy. Like it, it just changes every game. It feels like, yeah. uh, but I agree that Bates Diop, his prototype, like what he's supposed to bring you and what he, he showed a little bit tonight is like something they're going to need. So especially as long as Little's out um, <clears throat> and Akogi just, you know, we, we see him look great at times and then kind of disappear and just, he can't guard up as, as much as Bates Diop can as, as far as like just the size and, and wingspan that, that he brings. But um, but yeah, I think there's definitely a need for him. Uh, who, who would have known that a bold bowl injury report would just hurt so bad uh, at this point? Because I, I really do think he's also making a case to be uh, a fixture in the rotation too. So yeah. I think. Um, I mean, if, if bowl two. was healthy, I don't think Metu plays tonight, right? That was kind of the thing tonight. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, you know, Vogel keeps saying he wants, and, and I know I believe him that he wants to like get this rotation narrowed down and consistent, but it's hard with even just one guy missing and, and just not knowing the production you're going to get. So I, I've said this before. It's just, you never know what you're going to get from the bench unit and could be viewed as a good thing or a bad thing, depending on uh, how they perform. But um, I think they have a lot of guys that are capable. Bates Diop though, as far as like just being that, that wing with how the roster stands. Yeah. They, they definitely uh, that's their weakest position in terms of uh, just having that three and D like prototype wing. And, uh, you know, if if he's active on the glass and, and playing hard defensively, it's, he's going to get minutes. I mean, the thing is, he's six eight, right? Like, there's some some there's <laughs> not not replicable. You can't make Nasir a little bigger. You can't make Josh Okogie bigger. So you gotta try it, and maybe that changes with the deadline if they're able to get even just some veteran wing that's close to that in size. I think that player would get these minutes, but unless that changes, unless they do find that player, the best they can do is is keep rolling with KBD. And I, I'm not trying to build him up to be something that he hasn't been, but I do think if you really watch when that guy's out there, rotation-wise, defensively, he makes the fewest mistakes of any of the young guys between Little and Metu and himself, and I would even include Bull in that. And we know with Bull, he's kind of not really in the same class as a Bates Diop, but just for the sake of talking about him he is hard to fit on this roster because 
in like a playoff type setting if we're fast forwarding there. Because obviously Vogel wants him to play the four, right? So Eubanks is small and doesn't seem to have his trust. There's only so many minutes Nurkic can play. Durant's not really a five. So that is where I ru- that's where I bump bump up against, even though I guess that's probably a little unfair to Bull. He just proved he can be in a like playoff rotation uh, a rotation of a playoff team. I should give him some credit for that. But I guess I'm already getting a little ahead of myself, just kind of like, well, what what's the What's the lineup he's in in a best-case scenario in the playoffs? But, you know, we have a long way to go. The other thing I wanted to hit on, Brandon, is for our box score oddity tonight, the three-point shooting. And I kind of intentionally skipped it from the standpoint of the big three we were talking about. But each of them took at least five threes. And Beal referenced this after the Lakers game, that it has been a pretty big adjustment for him to just let those fly rather than kind of trying to work things inside and you know, massage the defense and whatever, but to just take it when it's open. But they all need to have that mentality, and I think tonight was a great example. Yeah, for sure. They, there's some games where their their uh, shot portfolio portfolio is just not as diverse as it needs to be, where you'll see, like, Durant attempt, like, one three or Beal taking one or two. Like, that That needs to be, like, four or five at least, I think, for, for all those guys. So, um and just to keep the defense honest to, and, you know, and when those guys see one, three go down their their confidence kind of goes up when they'll let them fly. So I think, yeah, when Beal's playing confident offensively and, and knocking down threes, uh, especially in the corners and up top, just along with his ability to attack the rim too, like it's, it just really adds another layer to the offense that uh, I think is why we were all so high on them coming into the season, right. Is just having three, three level scores in terms of, uh, you know, Beal, Booker, and Durant, and then you surround those guys with some shooters, and you could really put up some big numbers. So I think uh, I, I've been pushing for. I know you have to just shoot shoot the three more, like all of you, please. Even like I'm not saying to force it, but just. I mean, I'll, I I'll say to force away. it. I mean, because look, like yeah. I've said this about Booker before. If he's not taking and making the pull up three tonight, he didn't really have to. Um, I think we know by now he's not going to be a guy who is. I don't know who's a good example uh, of a guard who like, you know, prime James Harden, right? Driving to the basket a hundred times a game and, you know, initiating contact, finishing through contact, getting to the free throw line. That's not Booker's game. So if that's not going to be his game, he's not the best of the best of the best passers like, uh, you know, Trey Young or something. Okay. So then what does he have to do? He has to take and make pull up threes. So I think for him, you know, five, six a game with how much he's kind of handling the point guard duties, probably reasonable. I think same for Durant. Beal to me, it's like get seven or eight up a game. And then for Allen and Gordon, I'm saying like something to shoot for. I'm not saying this is going to happen every night because I'm getting to a pretty high number. But even in this game, they were at 28 and that felt pretty good to all of us watching. The Blazers took 42 and their best players took 21 combined, right? So that's where it that's kind of what you need to be targeting and so for to finish it out like I would say Gordon and Allen should be aiming to get as close to 10 up a game as they can and if all those guys did that you're talking about 35 between your your kind of five best scorers that's that's probably where it needs to be because the rest of this roster is not really taking them you know um so that like this is probably like kind of a floor of what it should look like in my opinion go go even harder to force them if, if it's called forcing them then i'm saying force them 
Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that too has to do with how their offense is looking. Like if if they're stagnant, they're not going to generate a lot of threes. So it comes down to they're going to be playing better basketball if they're they're attempting more threes just naturally. So I think uh yeah, they should be flirting with, you know, 30, 35 attempts every game. Uh it's not like they don't have shooters. Like they have they have dudes that can let it fly. So I think they just need to like lean into that and and really just uh you know, I, especially with book, like whenever he sees one go in too early, like those are when like, you know, he's in one of those zones. I feel like Durant's the same way. Like Durant's always in, in his own, but. Uh, I kind of trust like, Durant. I'm like, guys, if he wants to take two in a game and he still can get 30, like I'm yeah. not going to argue. <laughs> what do I know? Exactly. But I think Beal specifically out of the big three, like they need him to be a gunslinger. Like he can't hold back. They need him to shoot threes uh, probably the most. And. Yeah, it's just I think it just opens up everything else for for the rest of the team. And we already saw what that looks like in that Lakers game, and tonight just how efficient he was. Like it's definitely a positive. Uh, to, obviously, they they didn't do it the whole game, but you know that's that just comes with the the growing pains of a big three. So for sure, and he's aware of it, right? Like I said, he he addressed yeah. it after that Lakers game that he knows it's an adjustment that he's going to need to continue to make. There was one he made in the left corner where you could see him, I don't remember when it was, second half, I'm pretty sure, where it was kind of a, a kick around, he caught it, he really wanted to take the one dribble pull up, and he made himself take the corner three, and he made it, and it's like, those are the ones where it's a sign of kind of progress, I think, but that will wrap us up for the day, still an 11 point win, even if it felt a little awkward at times, and the ghost of the Trailblazers with so many absences was a little bit of a weird team to watch. One more win. The Suns are three games over 500. That is a good thing. Enjoy your Monday, everybody. I will be back Tuesday getting you ready for Suns Kings. So hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding the show. We'll talk to you then.